Bring it, sister. Make your fridges. Grab 10 other fridges and turn up and watch these games. Welcome to Giants Women Say, the podcast where we discuss all things AFLW Giants. I'm Fiona Lamb. I'm Nat Morgan. I'm Emma Phillips. And I'm Tracy Kick. Ora nui te aroha ki te aotearoa, kia kaha te aroha te whakapono ma te rangi marie, tatu tatue. Greetings, much love to New Zealand. Be strong, love, hope and peace for us all. In episode 9, we're going to review the GWS Cats game. Now that we've gotten over our hangovers... Of celebrating that. So exciting. We're going to do a quick round the grounds and we will review all of the other games. Then we're going to discuss the trade period conditions that have been released today, which is Monday, the 18th of March. We will have Kiwi splaining. Then we're going to give our predictions for the preliminary finals. So let's get straight into it and discuss Friday night's game, which is just the best was the best way to end. If the season had to end, that was the best way to end. Oh, look, it was such a great atmosphere. I had the great benefit of sitting behind Brian Eva and the Eva Army. I don't know that that's actually been said, but there really was an Eva Army there. Brian and his wife, uh, Sheila, were there. And Brian was fabulous because he was wearing the most awful Giants jumper I've ever seen by his own admission, a knitted kind of ski affair. Oh, and I've seen Pete Hempel wearing one of them as well. Yeah, oh, were they uh, on sale and merch? He said, it, he said it was in the bargain basement bin in the Giants merch. <laughs> For Christmas, stand. I think. Oh, no. Yeah, it was a Christmas <laughs> outfit. So anyway, he's quite happy to wear that. And every, every goal they scored, Brian led the charge with Here Come the Giants. About a dozen people around him in full voice. It was great. Yeah. And so I think Alicia Eva's sister was with them as well. Bridge, I think yes, her name is. that's right. Yeah, met them at the airport. Uh-huh. And then I managed around. to sneak my way into a VIP function at the end of the evening, thanks to Coach Kiwi and a certain other person in this room. Not that Coach Kiwi is here. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Shall if I she do was, that again? If she was. <laughs> if would. she was. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> two fabulous members of the podcast invited me into the VIP section. Thanks for that, Carol. <laughs> and what did you do there? We enjoyed some refreshments there, Trace. <laughs> so they were pretty pumped after the win, were they? And but just being the last game of the season oh, they, and they everything, were, yeah, it was good. It was just such a great vibe. I think, I think, uh, one of our predictions when we've been discussing this last game was that maybe the pressure would be off because they only knew they had this game and nothing beyond it, and it it just seemed to be the footy. They they've already talked about it. Fridge talked about it. 
um, and a few other players have said it was the footy they always wanted to play all season. So, you know, they can they can answer those questions themselves for why they didn't. But it was such a great game, full of great energy. Cats were really flat and disappointing, I have to say. Although, Egg Mac, as we like to now call her, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Megan McDonald was was um, instrumental in in keeping a few more goals out. So she was still a very the very strong defender that we've come to know. Um, but the other play was just surprisingly flat. Yeah. From speaking the of instrumental, I've got to say, um, and I had inside information this could should have happened potentially earlier, but the move of Gummo forward um, was absolutely key to I think she had maybe three goal assists um in that in her game yeah um and regardless of I mean, it was her I guess she well Lee Montagna I think announced her retirement by accident but um the fact that she was playing her last game I don't think had any bearing on her influence in the forward line I think her influence in the forward line was absolutely instrumental and gave them another dimension so her elite um ball movement in terms of those elite hands and how she got the ball moving to the goal kickers was really key Mm. and I think that it's a shame they didn't try it earlier yeah because I can remember one of the early games where she got quite a bad corky at about three quarter time she got sort of try and run it out and popped her into the the forwards and I thought that was some of her best footy she'd played because she would get the ball and she'd just very quickly do something with it um and i thought that was some of the best footage she'd played previously so yeah you're right maybe she should have been thrown down there a tad earlier Mm, Um, i wonder if they were worried about what they'd lose out of the midfield and to be honest i mean the youngsters stood up parker and hanine Drika just absolutely stood up in there i mean eva's been consistent all season but those two i mean parker's been consistent too but hanine was a real revelation i think this week you know and there are there are possibly reasons driving that, but regardless, she showed the benefit of being in that program for two years. She really absolutely nailed her role in there. Um, and I think just having Gummo forward, you had someone with elite delivery skills who was just making things happen so that other people could kick goals. And I think mm. that I think it was that was a very important move. Yeah, mm. I think I've written down on my little, after watching the game, I wrote down Elise Parker, best game for the year. And then I've written about another seven players' names after that very same. It was like I did lines in class. It was Cora Staunton, <laughs> best game for the year. Bernardi, best game for the year. Phoebe Monaghan, best game for the year. Mm. And it went Ellie Bennett. I've never heard of her before. And she had a ripper game. I mean, she, she's probably played all seven. Like every single one of them lifted. And I don't know whether it was the last game, no pressure, the uh, New Zealand scenario and trying to do it for her just suddenly realising life is not football. Footy is a bonus on top of, you know, life. You know, like it's a game. Get Mm. out and enjoy it. Mm. Live life to the fullest. So, yeah, I felt like when GWS, no wonder at the start of the year they had pressure on them for being the, you know, the best uh, chance to be in the grand final this year. It's because on paper they're great names and when they're all playing at their best they can play really good footy as we saw on Friday night. And how good was it having a Friday night game of footy to begin with as well? Well, that was great, except that it was in Canberra. So to get there, I had to take the day off, um, which I've done, you know, I've, I've made a commitment Twice. to. Yeah, I've done it before. <laughs> but they would have had a much bigger crowd there if it had been a Saturday night. Well, it was still a good crowd, though. It was in excess of 4,000. And I think um, I remember the game last year where... 
Giants beat the Bulldogs, fantastic game there. Um, was no more than that. And so really? I think, yeah, yeah okay. I think to mm. to get in excess of 4,000 was a good crowd, given that they haven't been, like, amazing this season. So, you know, people love a winner. Um, so it, it was a good result, I think. Mm. Given that there's nothing else to do in Canberra on a Friday <laughs> night, it was a pretty good crowd. It wasn't anything to do in Thailand on a Friday night, so I watched. My ties <laughs> and relaxing. Did you get your hair beaded? No. <laughs> no. It's insufficient. There's no evidence of that. Insufficient hair. <laughs> Can I have a whinge? Is that all right? Yes, yeah, so you were Giants fan. No, 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 no. I'm very happy with the Giants. I'm not going to whinge. Gonna whinge my- <laughs> it's been a long day, Fee. Um, not going to whinge about the Giants. They were fabulous and it was lots of flowing footy and so good to watch them play like that. Geelong. I just want to whinge about Geelong. They kicked, they scored 10 points. Mm. They scored 10 points. They scored 13 points the week before. Mm. They hadn't scored a goal until the third term in this match, which meant they went for four full quarters without scoring a goal across a couple of games. And now they're in the finals. And now they're in the finals. Mm. I mean, I just find them I just find them really difficult to watch, actually. And they have this very stingy defence. They're great defenders. They just can't convert that into goals often yeah. enough. Isn't the system fantastic that a team that isn't playing well can still make finals? Look, good on them. <laughs> it's not their fault. It's the system's uh, fault. Yes, um, indeed. It's not their fault. It's not Carlton's fault because I think Carlton's best if the two conferences merged together they would have been in fifth place still I believe they wouldn't have made it and yet they're playing some better football but it's not Geelong's fault not Carlton's fault it's a system's fault and that includes the AFL whether it's Gillum or whoever's helping out with the women Nicole Livingston and all the players reps or the club representatives they're all part of a decision that allowed this to happen Mm -hmm. the only other problem also is that if you balance out the conferences, as they did with, you know, one, three, five, seven, and the new club on each side breaking up, the two grand finalists for last year, Western Bulldogs and Brisbane, have finished fourth and fifth in their conferences. Mm. And GWS, who just missed out on the grand final, finished fifth as well, I think, in the other conference. And so it's a club's fault for not li- living up to their expectations or the standard they set last year. And so mm. we're all whinging, but I think there are a lot of things combined. It's not just a conference's fault, it's a lot of things around it as well. Mm. Mm. I I'm, I'm just purely whinging about Geelong. <laughs> just find I've them got high, two hard responses to, to that. The first is if, as we had all predicted, North went through to finals and won, all the haters would have been saying that the AFLW handed them their premiership. So the team. there wouldn't Stacked. have been... Um, I mean, I think it got to the point where, where people were accepting it and saying you've done very well but we still hate you for doing what you've done to build that team. So that's the first thing. The other thing is what people are not talking about is the Crows and the benefit they had from having Northern Thunder in the VFLW comp last year. So most of those players, admittedly not Aaron Phillips, but most of those players who were in the Crows were in that team. They didn't actually win the VFLW, interestingly, but they've had the benefit of playing a full season of footy together in winter. And I think that has gone a long way to to, to projecting them back up the top of the comp Mm. and, um, yeah, giving them a benefit that... Well, other teams haven't had. Well, in addition, I think Geelong had that benefit. I mean, most of Geelong is made up of the VFLW team. But I think that the benefit for that, for the Crows specifically, is that their team is made up principally of Northern Territory and South Australian players. So to to get that gel and to get that, um, you know, that build, start building the culture, which we've talked about a lot, is very important. Um, I think a lot of the other VFLW teams, you know, have been playing and are building that and that's 
really the basis for Geelong's success, I think. Um, but I can't disagree with Emma. It's very disappointing. I mean, they just haven't kicked enough goals and to go through is disappointing. I mean, we talked about what if the conference – I don't like the conference system at all, so I'll say that up front. But yep. if what if the conference system existed but the ladder was one and the same? So that if, like Nat said, if you appear fifth on the ladder, you appear fifth on the ladder. So the ladder, so the conference system, because they played across the conferences, they didn't play only within their own conference. They played within their conference and across it. So if you play within and across the conference, but the ladder is one ladder right. rather than two ladders, yeah. then it gives the teams who actually deservedly, um, you know, win the most games the opportunity to play finals. Yeah, I and like it. it. And yeah, the conferences aren't purely. Uh, last year's positions it's more regional and things like that or to eliminate travel or how do you how do you divide the conferences then I've got no idea I mean I read about um, Netball Australia trying conferences only for one season and giving it away Mm. Um, but given and later on we're going to talk about the trade period but giving given the information we have about the trade period um, it says to me that the conferences are going to stay now whether that means there are now seven teams in each conference and they operate under the same rules or whether they look for something else to happen but really if they still have cross-conference games why can't they have one ladder yep my only other thing is the top two teams from division a or conference a against are playing against the top two teams of conference b we're all assuming that the best two teams will win which means the best two teams are going to go through the grand final so haven't we got the same result anyway yeah well that's interesting because if you took the men's and you know from 2000 and 17 when the Tigers won the grand final. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, they were like sixth or fifth at the end of the home and away season and they worked their way through the final series by winning game after game after game um, and no one has questioned whether they're deserving of a grand final. So, I mean, look, you can argue it both ways. but they played well enough at the right time. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, they say you've once you get into finals, it's a different game of football. You know, it, it's anyone's once you're there. So I don't know, but I mean I don't like the conference system. I'm going to say that out and out. I'd much prefer a home twice and away now. season. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it twice now. In fact, I, no I might even say it. Here, I really. might even say three times. Is there anyone here who actually loves the conference system? I don't think there is. Is there? Well, I've made a banner for us to run through. <laughs> <laughs> Emma loves it. I can tell by love her face. No, <laughs> I, look, I the whole general discussion out there in social media and on all the shows and the pods it's not really worked for anyone has no. it? it it seems yeah it's not hasn't favored the brave and the strongest has it yeah but tracy said you mentioned before that everyone says finals footy is different and i heard that mentioned just recently a commentator said that about the AFLW finals footy and I, don't, I disagree every week has been like finals footy really it's been do or die I don't actually think there's going to be very much difference at all it's just going to be that there, there should probably be more eyes on the games and more excitement because it means more but only a little bit more no, it wasn't sudden death every week but it was it was you had to win every game you had to try and win every game I agree with that I agree with that but I still think that once you're a team that makes it to the finals um, your past reputation kind of counts for nothing because you're all on a level playing field. Once you're in a final, anything's possible. And I think that as a coach, you, I mean, that's certainly what you tell your charges that, you know, you, just because you beat someone by 50 points the previous week doesn't mean that's going to happen again. So um, I think that I agree with you entirely that every week has been do or die in this very short season and, 
you know, it's not going to probably get much longer, I'm imagining. Um, but it's absolutely essential that when you approach finals that you understand that anyone can win, whether you finish fourth or not or whether you finish first. Um, and, you know, I do feel sorry for North Melbourne. I think that they really had a season that did, would would have deservedly put them in the finals series. Mm. Mm. Yep. I think there's um, – that <clears throat> you're right, Trace, in saying that finals yields all kinds of odd things that we haven't seen in the season. Anything can happen. I've certainly played in some very different kinds of finals. Things went our way when they shouldn't and vice versa. But I can't see either of Carlton or Geelong coming within a country mile of Adelaide or Fremantle. Yeah, and I think we, you know when we preview the games, we'll probably get on to that a little more. But I, I tend to agree, but I don't know. Pressure of finals footy can do funny things to even very good teams. Yeah, mm. fair enough. Mm. My name's Anine Zaroka and you are listening to Giants Woman Say. Let's go around the grounds and talk first about the D's Crows game. Well, smashing. <laughs> it got a bit boring, actually, to be honest with you. It was good to see some open running footy and people dobbing goals from everywhere and team play. That was the highlight of it, I think. Mm. Um, I mean, an Ed Marinoff goal of the year because it's taken a three years to get one. So you've got to give us something. Oh, what about for that? Amy's goal? I didn't oh, yeah, realise that. Snap that. that Eb Marinoff hadn't kicked a goal. I and I reckon you could tell the last yeah. few games have been trying to dob it into her or give her it. But she's a pretty generous player. She gives it off a lot of the times when she could be having shots at goal and things mm. like that. So I said, look, monkey off her back. So I was happy for her. But yeah. Adelaide looking great. Melbourne, it was it was just too much for them. Mm. Um, but if the last three teams have had a pretty big blowout, not quite as big as that. So Melbourne, don't be too ashamed. Um, it was 10 goals in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lot. Mm. Not good. Adelaide was just so dominant. It, You know, it just showed you. I thought Melbourne would at least take it to them for, you know, half or three quarters. Yeah. But it just, I don't know, it's just a whitewash really. Mm. Yeah. On the other hand, the Dockers North game, how exciting was that? Not for Emma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave the room for a while. <laughs> I was watching from Thailand, I've got to say. I um, loved it. It was On your laptop or in a pub or what no, was it? No, on my phone. Oh, on your phone. Oh, okay, cropped good up on like you. this using my $5 Vodafone data roaming. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, it, it was really interesting because I knew that it was going to be a great game. Um, but to be honest, I, I took north. So I was really surprised to see the Dockers do so well. I mean, I know they were at Freo, but... They really put together – they nullified the uncontested marks of North and, yeah. and absolutely um, brought it home, so all power to them. Mm. I think, though, they celebrated long and hard. They seem to just be happy that they've made the finals. I don't think – well, I don't want to say they won't go any further, but it was – they just seemed that excited that they were in the finals that they almost have celebrated too soon or too early, especially with they've got – Two injuries could be quite bad. Duffy with her ankle and um, Hooker with her, well, she corky. was calling it a corky, but I'm thinking knee maybe. Well, I think that the bandage she had on or the, the ice she had on was above the knee. Yes, yes. for so, the cameras. I love how <laughs> Sam her. Lane was trying to make her <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. And she goes, no, I don't think so. She didn't want to really lie. I thought yeah. I thought a hooker was a bit like, no, I, I think my knee's okay. <laughs> yeah, she'll um, be needed, that's for sure. She's oh, been a critical player for them. And so is Duffy. I mean, Duffy's mm. just uh, – we all talk about Prisparkus, but I think Duffy would just about match her with those honours for young up-and-coming player, first-year breakout. Rookie. Season been amazing, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm such a fan of her. You know what was interesting, though, that North won the hitouts 42 to 11. So that is that actually just the tap down or getting it out of the centres? It's just or? a tap down okay. of the clearance. And that's so, Emma King in the centres? Yeah. yeah, so amazing stat on hitouts. Um, and centre clearances went the other way, 10 to 4. So, um, you know, we talked about this another time with the Giants, you know, winning the hitouts a lot, but not necessarily winning the centre clearances. So um, the centre clearances... To me, you know, give, they give you the first. They say the hit out gives you the first use of the ball, but the actual clearance is what gives you gives you the first use of the ball. Yeah, they were just mm. clean up for Emmanuel, I think. And I watched Emma King with her uh, ruck work, and it was very clean. The hit outs were particularly clean, as well. I thought, great, she's giving us first use of the footy here. You know, we'll be right around the clearances. But no, I mean, Fremantle just presented body on body every time. And you know, when you have that sort of bouncing, messy footy that pings off bodies a bit, you just knew they were going to collect it every time. I don't know what the clearance stats are, but they I'm sure they must have cleaned up there. Yeah, well, they, they won the tackles by quite a bit as well, so a lot of pressure around the footy and that's that whole not giving North too much time to, you know, to sort of play their very clean football because North still won the marks. So, you know, so they still were able to play a little bit of their game, but I think in the contested footy, the Frio came to the fore. Yeah. Well, Western Bulldogs played Blues in the Pride match. Oh, those jumpers. Let's talk about the jumpers, shall we? No pride in the uh, designs, I didn't think. <laughs> well, I think the designs were very interesting because, well, they were just disappointing really from my perspective. I mean, we talked about the Carlton jumper looking a little bit like a rain radar map where the colours that were sort of prominent were where it was going to rain a lot. I thought but it the, looked like the Carlton logo was spewing out the rainbow trace. <laughs> that's true. Um, but also the orange was like pastel. You don't have pastels. There's no pastels in pride colours. No. No. We're not a pastel people. I think sometimes maybe some of the jerseys that designed for us, you know, you're a metre apart or on the design table, that looks unreal. But how does it look on TV and from a distance? It looks totally different. From a distance. (laughs) (laughs) It looked at at the beginning until I got my head around, it looked like Carlton's players (laughs) had their jumpers sort of caught up and that there was a bit of flesh or their skins were showing or something. It just, it it was distracting rather than um, attractive, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. And I didn't mind the Bulldogs jumper at the back. I think like to me that... The merging of the of the rainbow colours is interesting, but not true to the spirit of the pride flag. Mm. Um, but also, um, and I love an indigenous jumper, but I felt like that there were two designs. Someone designed it with kind of an indigenous feel, um, and then someone designed it with a merging rainbow feel. And they went, "Oh, they're both great. Let's have both." And neither had any impact. I don't know. Like again, for TV, they might have looked great on the actual jersey, but for TV, they they were really yeah. But as we, you know, rainbow is rainbow. And what did the umpires wear? Rainbow socks. And they, and they looked, looked awesome. They did. They look fantastic. You can see those. In mm. fact, whether everyone just wears that or one does a stripy jumper and one does the shorts or something, but anyway. But I do think we should. it should be a pride round for all teams next yeah, year. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that would totally be a nice agree. touch. And I don't think it, designers I don't think will be watching. Well, do you know we'll what? There's five of us. Jumpers. Well, there is. There's five of I'll us we'll, and Anthony, six. <laughs> so we could all take a team each or do we'll two teams. We'll have to do 2.5 teams. Teams each That's okay. next year. Now Let's there's get on to it. Teams. We'll have a spreadsheet because we're all designers. We only of course. need seven texters. We're visionaries, <laughs> Tracy. Giants, women's sartorial suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, can um, we talk about the game? Yes, definitely. Um, it was 
I wanted great the last quarter. Bulldogs to win. Yeah. Oh my goodness, they nearly caught them up. They came. Was it three points in the end? Uh, three. Yes. Thirty-eight, yeah. forty-one. It was, it was actually a great last quarter. Really. I mean, that's how you want every game to be. Where see, I was actually gigging interest. at the time. You see, so I yes. wasn't. I was just. What were we singing? What What was the choir singing? singing With Johnny country, Farnham. Country songs. Country Wait, did songs. you do any Patsy Cline? Two Olivia Newton John and one Garth Brooks. Mm. Olivia Newton John. No Patsy Cline. Well, I haven't arranged any Patsy Klein songs oh, yet. Get on to that. What did you do? What's, <laughs> what's Olivia's country songs? Um, let me be there. Oh, yeah, true. Let me yep. be there in the morning. <laughs> let me be there. What else? And Give another us- one called Let It Shine. Is there any, anybody out there who can shine? Yee-haw. Anytime. <laughs> We'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know that Good one. Good one. No, I don't know that either, but I might have to go buy that World album. premiere. And, and then, um, <laughs> how do I love you? Let me see. I love you like a lyric loves a melody. Is that Garth Brooks? Oh. Baby, completely wrapped up in you. Nice. Please make sure this stays in the podcast. <laughs> Just I was thinking about 20 years ago when I was in um, the south of France. I w- went there to teach surfing and um, <laughs> and I had my letter from Can Queen. we go and have a drink and chat about that? Oh, my. That's a story I do I not my, know, Trace. I have my letter. Fee <laughs> can cut this out, but I have my letter from Queensland Surfing saying that I was an appropriate person to be teaching surfing. I went to the south of France. I went to the surf school. Remembering that French is my second teaching area, I competently spoke to them in French and I had just booked an apartment with Monsieur Abeberi for four weeks and uh, I went here I am ready for surfing and they said do you have a diploma to surf and I said no I have this letter from Queensland surfing I mean we do a lot more surfing in Queensland than we do in France they said oh you have to go to the regional office to get your diploma to surf so off I had to go to get my diploma to surf now how does this relate to I'm waiting tying it back (laughs) (laughs) there isn't time um so I couldn't get my diploma to surf, so we sang Patsy Klein covers with the guitars we'd bought in India and bust. <laughs> Are you making this shit up? And what? <laughs> and raised enough money to go and get your diploma and pay off the office? Is that what you're saying? Or No, they said I could come back next year and they would award me a diploma to surf because I had the suitable qualifications, but they couldn't and issue a lovely it at that voice. time. <laughs> Hold on. I've got a question. I've got many questions, actually. My first one is there is a diploma for surfing? No, diploma to surf. <laughs> diploma. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in in France, apparently, I didn't know before I got there because I go. thought I was suitably qualified. Not and just being a Queenslander doesn't qualify you. Know? I wasn't just a bloody Queenslander. I was <laughs> a tell coach. What was the name of La Plage that you would have been? <laughs> Bayon. Oh, I don't know. Where were we? Bayon. Down in the in the in the Bang on. Pay Basque. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. That's where the <laughs> Le Mistral comes up there. All right. Western Bulldogs, Carlton. <laughs> Sorry. No, be... We digress. South of France? Tracy, yeah, did you say we need to cut this down to 45? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I like we... the game. Can <laughs> we keep that in just so you can call the pod <laughs> Diplôme de Surf? <laughs> Diplôme de Surf. Diplôme we find out about the Diplôme de, 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 de Surf. Yeah, do we, put, we give names to the pods, don't we? Yes. Anthony does. Oh, Anthony. Uh, Diplôme de Surf. D I P L O M E. D-U-S-U-R-F. Um, no, the game. I actually really enjoyed this game. I was a little bit jet lagged and it kept me awake um, because it was interesting. Um, and I thought I thought Carlton were going to absolutely hammer it home, but um, mm. Bulldogs came back. Like Western Bulldogs missed their seven, first seven shots of goal. So they were actually 
getting it in the 50, yeah. having a go and mm. just could not nail it. Mm. And finally, I don't know what happened at three-quarter time where they just went, Bugger it. it. Yeah, bugger it. Thank you, Trace. So I have no other so option. So it was, it was <laughs> the fourth got one quarter. It, yeah, yeah, and, yeah zero, zero 07 at three-quarter time to 5.8 five they ended up within. Like it was unbelievable. A lot of things went their way. The luck of the draw, the bounce, the umpires, the double 50s, things like that. But my mm. highlight was the Irish street jig. Was it McCartney? McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy. Uh, McCar- see, I'm naming names. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Beatles. <laughs> Number 15. <laughs> anyway, she got a goal and it wasn't out of context because it was the second or third goal on their roll and it was a bit like – and. It was it was fantastic. St. Pat's Day, she did an Irish jig with one of her teammates and it, they were just loving life, really. It was good. And um, a couple of senior players got themselves, Ellie Blackburn and uh, Katie Brennan both got goals in that little, you know, mm. block. But if only they'd got them in the first quarter and they could have probably had the momentum. Um, yeah. So I still need to know whether Susan Alberti showed up to that game wearing black and white. Because I doubt it. Because she said she was going to. Where did she say that? I she did not see that. She said it on the socials. Oh. She said it on Twitter. Okay, as in confirming yes, that. I will wear black oh. if uh, black and white if Collingwood win. So not and just black in someone, mourning or someone something. Someone else said a ribbon will suffice. <laughs> <laughs> she responded, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> An interesting thing about that game is that the Bulldogs went inside fifty thirty-five times to twenty-seven and really? still did couldn't make use there of that footy. Go. So they were definitely in it. Mm. But um, I really I like Colton. I wonder. I don't know. We asked before whether they'll be able to take it to their prelim fi- uh, rivals. I I don't know. Like I think if you can get Taylor Harris up and about, and she was a bit more up and about. She started. Um, and if you positively. can, and you know, you got Prosparcus and you've got good feed from the midfield. I don't know. I I, I wonder. I say. Like poor old Maddie Prisparkas, she's had the weight of the world and the team. She's carried them the whole season. It mm. would be so nice if the senior players can hold their own or carry a bit more weight so she isn't expected to get, pick up 20, 25 possessions again. And she's that's got what a it rookie needs. of the year, doesn't she? Uh, mm. Easily, I would think. I know we talk about Elise pa- Parker Parker's being well. done well, but I, I think mm. Prisparkas has and just Duffy, no, I think she has to be. Everyone's just been talking about it. And she's consistent across the board. She's picked up. Uh, you know, over the seven games, she's been really good. A few other other players might have missed one or two games, I think, but she's been consistently good. Mm. So Carlton need to, um, what's the cliche? Bring their A game, come to play. They've got. To, they'll have to have well, everything they, going right. They're going the to have to play four quarters. Four quarters. Four they quarters. Will. They will. <laughs> you know, who's impressed me at Carlton this year is Gab Pound in the back line. Yeah. So you know, she's really come on. She's been playing footy for a little while now, and what's this would be a third year at Carlton. So again, that sort of breakout year. Um, quite sort of light frame, Gab, but very lithe and very um, you know agile. She just looks so confident in her footy now, and I think she, I don't know whether she'll go to Gemma Houghton or hard to know. But I I think Carlton do have a few more of those sort of lesser lights. Don't get spoken about as much that might come through. I know I said before that. You know, they're going to get hammered. But at Carlton, might be a chance. Well, they might, mm. definitely. In Melbourne? Yeah. Mm. Mm. When we get to that, we'll, we'll throw I'm jumping the gun. I've done in. it twice now, haven't I? We're excited. <laughs> Collingwood, Brisbane. Oh, my Yo! Pa- how, how Don't have f- to do pants down. <laughs> <laughs> how no needy my uh, I was wrapped. How am I feeling? I w- no, bloody <laughs> Brisbane. Who cares, Trace? You've had wins here and there, you know. But it, I, was, I, was, I was happy for the girls. They were happy. Everyone was excited and it's a nice way to go into the off season isn't it with a win yeah. um i feel like at times they were possibly going to lose it 
<laughs> that, that it was all the game was always close enough that one kick was going to do it, and it was almost counting down the clock at the end. But um, I was wrapped. Bloody Ash Brazel is a star. Oh, she's I just a star. love her. She's, she's been unreal. She's she'll be my you know Collingwood best and fairest Me for too. sure. She's a standout for Collingwood week, and she even had a week off. Um, missed with I think concussion effects. So, um, but she'll still win it. I was just wrapped. Um, Lambert. Ended up getting a bit injured at the end. Mm, I think a head knock. A bit but of concussion. She's been really good. In fact, those two might fight out the best and fairest. Mm. Um, they've stood out. We haven't had enough of them, though. You shouldn't be relying on just two players in your team. Yeah, I think interesting. The third quarter, the Lions had every opportunity to bring that home. They kicked five points. One goal, five, I think, or five points. I can't remember. But, um, you know, they absolutely dominated the play and had every opportunity. So so I think, um, I think the, the Lions absolutely squandered their opportunities and they had it in the bag in the second half. Um, interestingly, and I, I said to the rest of the pod, I, I'm really interested in um, Frederick Traub's mm. season. I mean, as a yeah. defence coach last mm. year, I mean, One know, she created absolute havoc for us in that game that was do or die for the grand final. Mm. Um, I haven't seen anything like the form she presented last year. And it's less to do with her being marked well, is it? I don't no. think it's anything to do. She, she was a better When she's at her that. best, she's absolutely unmarkable, like quite seriously, she's such a strong mm. body, overhead mark, converter. Um, but, you know, but, um, yeah, I, her, I don't think all is right. I wonder if she's injured. She's um, had a, a calf. It's not a strapping. It's sort of just sort of like a pull-up type, sleeve type thing. So I don't know whether there is something, but she doesn't look to be limping or labouring. She'll still have a go, but... Mm nothing is gelling and little handballs out, things like that. She's not as quick getting up off the ground or anything. It's yeah, a very she's just not influencing the play in the no. same way. I mean, she was taking overhead marks. She she dropped two or three and then there was no one at the fall of the ball. Wushner was well held by Brazel, which meant that kind of eliminated her influence on the play. Um, and because she was because she was so um, – gave away so much height and aerial um, prowess – um, that just didn't – I mean, they stopped doing that. They started putting um, sabs deep and going to her and that's really what changed it. But they just couldn't capitalise. Like Brisbane didn't look as good as, you know, the last few weeks. It's That's interesting as well because they haven't lost that many players, you know. They didn't lose that many in the draft. Hmm. Um, so I think that's interesting, you know, as we look towards season 2020. Yeah. C-bomb. Well, I thought – that given C-Bomb, Celia McIntosh had announced her retirement, that they would play her in that final round. And I was disappointed when I heard the decision had been made not to play her. Nat, would you like to start? Are you Collingwood team one? I give you the floor first. Well, as a Collingwood supporter and a fan... Of GWS? And a fan of GWS. (laughs) I know as a Collingwood fan for the last three years watching her play I she got dropped not in the last round the week before because she wasn't good enough and then she announced her retirement with one game to go and suddenly the cry went out play Seabomb play Cecilia and I don't know why she over three seasons she averages six possessions defender though yeah nuggety defender that, who's not that's her, about her the job is not to get there. possessions yeah. She, 
I didn't think we lost anything with her being dropped. She got dropped because she wasn't good enough. And then having a week out of the game, how has she suddenly improved? She hasn't. She can't play anywhere in the off-season. She's obviously a bit more of a legend down in Victoria than I probably know, so I understand that. But I think she's come to this as her third sport. So to me, it's her retirement fun sport. And she's got probably as much out of herself as she can. And I think she'd be embarrassed if she got called up for the last game and sacrificed someone's position. Uh, as, a, as a sort of a fan of the game, I, I was blown away that people like Erin Phillips and Emma Phillips were tweeting saying, play C-bomb, play C-bomb, she deserves it. No, she doesn't. She got dropped. She didn't deserve anything. So. Interestingly, though, I think if you look across, we've spoken about, and I won't talk about the players specifically, but we've spoken about players that are well-known and... Um, have good reputations that don't get dropped because of their reputation. Um, and I think that, you know, it's so subjective that, you know, would it affect – I don't know who came in, um, in probably, young, probably a youngster and they may have needed to look at who they'd retain in the list given that they were definitely losing C-bomb. But I do – I don't know, there's something in me that says that a woman who's given a lot to the game and to sport in Australia generally – who maybe did miss a game or two, but missed a game or two. Um, as you said, Nat, six possessions. I mean, Pepper Randall is probably, well, she was in the All-Australian squad and she averages four disposals because her defensive work is so strong. So I don't think you can, you can't measure defenders by disposals. It's it's just not an accurate measure. Um, you know, I just, I feel like it, it wouldn't have, I don't think it would have cost them the game to play it, put it that way. Well, it didn't cost them the game because we won, so we didn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. That was as we were having our chat on our on our devices. I did wonder whether that was a potential from from you guys. Whether you thought if she had played, would that have cost them the game? But um, Tracy Tracy Kick says no. No, I don't think so either. Look, and I must admit my emotional bias here because I played footy with Seabom for a long time so she is a mate of mine so she's a mugger she's a mugger <laughs> yep so she moved out of athletics into football and came to Melbourne Uni I don't know what year but it's quite a while ago and uh you know she does she's a very decorated athlete generally so I think she was a silver medalist in javelin in the Commonwealth Games 2006 maybe uh, went on to represent Australia at the Winter Olympics in bobsled came back to footy and she I just know how she prepares she's just that all-in athlete who, you know, if she'd been a bloke, would be worth millions of dollars, would probably be a household name, iconic, maybe even, I don't know. But, you know, I just think that the game, aside from the personal story, and I think she did deserve a send-off given that history, the game or our game, the AFLW, doesn't have that many opportunities to celebrate such stories. We don't have that much time. It's seven games, you know, we don't get a lot of opportunity. And it's it's all done now and, and we could have had that story up in lights and it's a shame not to and I feel very sorry for Seba I'm not having that send off too. Knowing her, do you think she would be upset she didn't get that farewell game? I can confirm that she was devastated actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair and I, I think also, um, you know, she went through many, many years. One she's really that absolutely gives everything to what she's doing and I remember talking to her at length years ago about the fact that she was working in a supermarket stacking shelves overnight to make ends meet and having to pay off a debt from her athletics days and you know look I know a lot of people have those kinds of stories she's not necessarily unusual in that way a lot of women a lot of women I should Mm. say absolutely you're right because the men don't no the men don't have that 
So I don't know that there are any AFL-M players right now stacking supermarket shelves overnight to make ends meet, that's for sure. So, you know, I just sort of think in that regard also, let's let's celebrate that, let's tell that story. We had a chance and we, we shot the channel, you know, Collingwood shot that chance. And they did it to, to give a young player, I know that Wayne Siegman has a real focus on, uh, you know, on developing youth and I respect that. But what is that? Let's think about that. In 20 years' time, is he going to look back and think, isn't it great that I played that 19-year-old for 72 minutes when I could have given Seabom that send-off and told that story? I don't think Wayne will give it another minute. No, not I've now. Thought. But I think in 20 years, if he had no. played Seabom, he'll think about that She's well. just one of the players on the list and she wasn't giving him what he needed. And so it's not just the 72. It would have been the game the week before. So all the And that kid might be the sea bomb in 10 years' time, the Erin mm. Ferrell's, the legend who's... We'll she's forget her two. too. No, we won't. <laughs> we won't by then. Uh, but what you've raised, uh, what I've been meaning to say for nine episodes, is that uh, I would have liked the AFLW Season 1 to include what I'd like to refer to as the old birds. So the, those players who were just about to retire, who were at the top of their game and were mature women, mature players who could... Um, chaperone, if you like, the the youngsters into their clubs, into their teams and um, kind of show them the way, be a good example and then probably retire after the first season, maybe, or two. maybe not. I agree maybe with you, not. Fee. I, I think... Um, too many people, from what I have learned now, too many people missed out. I think too many women I think there out. are two things to say. One is that... The evidence of the youth pathway is coming to fruition this year. This is the first year we've seen really great 18-year-old players stand up and, and compete. Yes, um, So true. I, I agree with that. But there's been such an emphasis on the youth pathway and not an emphasis on the people, that the women that have given, you know, 15, 20 years of their career to, to women's football and could have been acknowledged and, you know, you know all hail really GWS in in the 2018 recruitment because to take mm. the gamble on Cora and Courtney who were both 37 probably 40% of their list is over 30 now mm. um, and that but that's a rarity most of the coaches are absolutely obsessed with um, young talent and I, I agree with that to a degree but you cannot replace a mature and experienced head on a football field in a big game or in any game and the way that those women would lead other young women i i just it just floors me hmm yeah i've played a lot of sport but there's something about footy that i think takes years to really get you know and once you have it once you and you can only get it through playing and through getting older and becoming experienced it's a rare gift you can give to younger players that i don't think i experienced in basketball or tennis or you know, you name it. Yeah, I, I think I'm still coming from a different angle on this too. I think you might be almost setting up those senior players at the end of their career up for a really big embarrassing fall in a public uh, domain. Some, to me, I feel like Mo Hope, even though she's in a third season, I think there was so much pressure on her because she had been a star at club footy and at state level and then she's put on the screen, she's a little bit older, her body's a bit tighter and the young kids are tailing her up and she's just holding her own. And the other person I'd probably throw in there would probably be Meg Hutchins, that she was at the end of her long legendary career down in Victoria and she got thrown in and the game was just a bit too quick for her and she doesn't go out the winner that she would have done at club. At club. And as much as 
all of us would have loved to have been playing on the TV and running around being stars. The fact we never got that chance means that we can still live in our minds as to how great we were in everyone else's minds as but well. But we all know that you would have. We've established this, that all three of you would have played would if, the, if the league had come <laughs> earlier. But thought, the beauty is we we're, we're, in, we're in our minds and everyone else's <laughs> yes. minds what legends we were and, <laughs> and I feel that the careers could be tarnished by doing that. Yeah, I disagree, Nat. I, I, think, I think now, um, well, look, even now, so as AFLW has risen in its intensity and speed, so has the, the levels that sit below it. Um, and I do think there are still players who are being overlooked who could definitely play and who deserve to get a Guernsey and are sometimes being overlooked for the novelty cross-code or, or the, mm. or the um, you know, I mean... Yeah, I just I just think it's about balance, and at the end of the day, I don't think the balance is necessarily there because there's been such a push from the AFL for developing youth, and I think that's absolutely integral because that's where the stars of tomorrow come from. But um, you know, if I had the option to recruit a team, I'd be recruiting for balance. And the men do it all the time. When GWS started, they they recruited players. Corns and other players with deep experience who could who could guide the younger players and who would be become names in their club, you know, and stay within the club program to kind of build that. And I just don't think that the, the coaches at the time in women's footy thought about that. And to be honest, I think some of the players were ready to play. So we talked about this before. Who's ready to play now to win that final in seven games? Because that's all you've got. You actually don't have any time to develop anyone. Put an academy together or a program mm. that develops people. Yeah, I agree with that um, thoroughly. Choose your team that can play today for today, not yeah. for tomorrow. Do you think then uh, we're talking about the four new clubs coming in and there's some details just today out on the website about the number of players that can get recruited and everything. Do you think clubs will take that opportunity to get some of the senior developed players in? Maybe. It's an opportunity. I mean, the, the consensus does seem to be that there will be a few players who have missed out in the recent recruitment who have a chance this time. Mm. Four so, teams is four teams, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you need another 120 players. So, yep. um, we, you know, where are you going to get those from? I mean, the youth development's been fantastic, but I don't think 120 players can come from there. Hmm. So I think you know it's we an might opportunity, have a yet. but it's a, it's about the it, it comes so funny, Fee. You I can't about, and you can't have a plane load full of Irish women. No, no. but I think it's about, it's about the value. It's about the value that people play place on experienced players. You know the same value that is attributed to male players of years of experience, and yes, they're playing in the AFL. But remembering that the AFL didn't exist, the AFLW mm. didn't exist. There are still players out there who are overlooked and. And even in New South Wales, there are players who are being overlooked for other states who would go toe to toe with any of, of, you know, with many of the recruits that they're choosing based on a reputation in another region. Mm. I'm Ellie Brush, and you're listening to Giants Women Say. Let's talk about the trade period conditions that were released today. Well, I think they're interesting because we've got four teams coming in. We just mentioned we need 120 new players um, and players can um, essentially, uh, clubs can essentially start, start to steal players um, once a trade period opens and up to eight players from clubs. And so North are as vulnerable as the other clubs were last year, is correct. that correct? Yep. Okay, I think that's fair. 
<laughs> so what you I don't know that anybody is going to want to leave there. Yeah, no, but I, I disagree. I think the Queenslanders will go home. Okay. Yeah, right. So um, it's yeah. Uh, Caitlin Ashmore. Ashmore. And I think Britt, Gib- Britt Gibson will stay because she's originally a Tasmanian. Um, so I think she'll potentially stay. But I think that um, some of the players that have come from, well, I think the Lions will be savaged by the Gold Coast, to be honest. So that'll be really interesting given what we just said about Queensland and their development because now they're really going to be pushed into two teams and I wonder what effect that will have. Mm. The Gold Coast have their academy in North Queensland, which is a very strong league. Um, so they have, I think they'll have sort of first access to North Queensland, the Cairns League. Um, so, yeah, no, I think there'll be a bit of poaching for sure and it'll be interesting to see what it does in WA. So I think in WA and Queensland that'll be interesting because they're the markets where you've got a limited resource pool. Just to be devil's advocate, do we have to get away from this idea of poaching players across clubs? Because four brand new teams are coming in. I'm assuming the AFL is expecting that players will move and will be approached and is encouraging some of those better players from across the teams to move into those to, to make the competition even to move into those teams to make the competition, you know, as even as possible. Do we have to get out of the mindset of thinking that they're stealing players and just going, yeah, that's probably. just how it is at the moment? Probably. We want a level competition after all. We're going to go and see them play no matter what team they're in. Well, <laughs> true. Again. Um, but only offering one-year contracts or three-month contracts. That's the problem. Yeah. No, you don't have to stay. And so if you mm. are going to move back home or back to the state you came from or where your partner is or – you know, your family is, of course, you'll take that option. And it just happens and we have to suck it up. It's just sort of a bit weird seeing, uh, you know, someone you loved at your club playing for someone else or, you know, young kids who are trying to buy jerseys because they've fallen in love with a certain player suddenly up to maybe jumper number three by next year possibly. And it's a marketing mm. scam. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> We're on to you. Yeah, so... um. Every club in the next couple of weeks or by the time draft week comes around has to have dropped their list to 22. So Correct. they name the ones they want to keep. So that involves over these next few weeks clubs talking to all players saying we want to keep you and making deals or arrangements for them and it then frees others others up. And mm. so at least they know pretty early on what's going to happen and where they're going to be. They do. The exit interviews will happen in the clubs that are not playing will be happening this week. So the exit interviews, they will know. Players will, will get an indication whether they're going to be retained or not. Mm. Um, and um, and then that starts the process of them either trying to put their hand up for other teams um, or to be traded. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because I think I heard the commentators say on the weekend, you know, this is the last time this team will play together and that's every season in the AFLW is I mean it's true in the men's program as well but to a greater degree in the AFLW it's always the last time that team will play together because when you've got to spill eight players it's no doubt that Mm. um, you're going to lose key players so it will be interesting. It makes it tricky to think about from a coaching perspective how you get a team to gel over longer than one season Mm. you know we talk about I know Tracy you're very particular on um, uh, team bonding and team culture and if you're getting a huge crop of new players coming in each time for a short season and a short preseason, it's almost impossible, isn't it, to reach that kind of ideal cultural state? Yeah, I think it is really hard. Um, I think the VFLW, if you play in the you know Geelong and the Giants potentially playing some invitational games, um, holding their players, um, any team that has a VFLW team, I think, will be a, a, to an advantage because they 
get to develop and maintain that culture. Mm. But any team that's and, – and, you know, back to the point about um, South Australia and the um, Crows playing – or the Northern Territory playing in the VFLW, that's probably been something that's really propelled them forward in terms mm. of culture. I think so, yeah. Um, you know, but a team like the Hawks that won the premiership in the VFLW, I mean, Hawks, you know – Will that be the basis of a team going into the future? Probably, but you know that that's going to be interesting in itself. Mm. Interestingly, it's what North Melbourne missed out on that first year of AFLW when, by on all measures, they should have got a license. They say that about St Kilda too, don't yeah. they? Yeah, well, they, their I mean, application North- was comprehensive in comparison, in contrast to some others. Yep, yep. The, those two clubs had done a lot of work, you know, for many years leading up to that. And that really would have, I think that first season would have been almost entirely made up of muggers mm. who'd been, they all dispersed acro- across all the other teams, of course, that got licences. But had they had they got that licence, of course, that team might have been very strong from the outset. Mm. Had that club culture wouldn't have been poaching, as you say, fee now, you know, different kind of scenario. Yeah. But also, is it, unreasonable until we have all 18 teams in to have longer than one-year contracts. I wonder as a player whether you actually would only want a one-year contract perhaps to Mm. keep your own options open. Mm. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Well, it is, as Nat said. I mean, there are people who are sacrificing a lot to play. So they're moving, they're sacrificing their role, their job, their full-time job, their partners their family to go and play and so at that knowing that that next opportunity is around the corner as those other clubs come in to be you know because you want to be in the system rather than outside of it because you're at an advantage if you're in the system so if you're in the system and you make decisions based on going somewhere because you only know that you'll go for a year but then you'll try to you know return to your home state or whatever on the basis of the opportunity that's coming then yeah I think that that I guess the one year contract works in that sense but still you know it's still an unbelievable ask to ask people to to give up five months of their life for footy yep this is kiwi kiwi hello this is coach kiwi with kiwi splaining and this week we're talking about Kickins from a behind. Now, the rule has adjusted, and we spoke a little bit about this earlier in the years. Now we've got some data to um, have a look at how this new rule is actually being affected in the game. The rule f- was that you no longer have to kick it to yourself before you run out of the goal square. And the person on the mark used to traditionally stand five meters back, now stands 10 meters back. So, what is happening is we're getting a lot more play on. And a lot more of the ball is now being driven into the centre square rather than a very structured setup and perhaps the short kick-out option. We're now seeing players just kicking a lot longer down the field. Now, this rule was perhaps brought in to extend the goal-to-goal um, or end-to-end type of scoring opportunities. With the recent JLT series... We've now got a lot of data looking specifically into how these new rules are affecting play. And you'll probably notice that with the women's games, uh, how much different it is now when we look at these players who are doing the kick-ins, but now running, effectively running about 15 metres before they're then kicking. So they're kicking beyond the 50 metre arc, which is fantastic. Okay, so we're going to look at the statistics 
that have evolved from this rule. Now, one of the areas where we gather data is called a fast kick-in. So the fast kick-in is when we kick in on the run, but it's come from a, ki- a set shot f- on the run. So if somebody has a set shot, goes quickly behind, you quickly pick the ball up, bang, you can run into play and kick on again. So that's what we call a fast kick-in. The other one we have is slow kick-in, and that is from a set shot. So it's a little bit more structured, but also you can still play on. It's just a slower way of retrieving the ball and carrying on in the game. So what we have is 27% from the slow kick-in in 2018 played on, and 24% did the fast kick-in. Fast forward to 2019 with the new rule, and we have 70% playing on from a slow kick-in and 59% playing on from a fast kick-in. So increase numbers, absolutely. And what you're finding now is the ball is getting deeper into the midfield, and it's not really getting to the other end of the field because we're seeing a reduction in the number of scores. In 2018... These opposition kick-ins led to 8% of scores at in their forward line, whereas now we're only getting about 5% of scoring opportunities. So my theory on all that is, especially for the women's game, yes, we're running in 15 metres now to kick the ball. We're getting into our centre square, but we're getting a much more increase in tackle count, much more increase in positions, and the ball's not actually making it all the way down to the far end for a score, but it's also not staying around in the 50 quite as long for a turnover and then subsequently a score from that. So now the turnovers, if they happen in the middle of the field, you're still two kicks from goal. So a lot less opportunity to now score goals from this new rule. But that's just my take on it, and thanks for listening to Explaining. This is Phoebe Monaghan, and you're listening to Giants Women's Day. Let's do our predictions for the preliminary finals. The first preliminary final is between Carlton and Fremantle. Let's have our predictions, ladies. I'm going to go for Fremantle just because. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think Fremantle will get over the line in this one. You do. And it makes me feel better as a North supporter if they do. <laughs> um, Carlton okay. will come at them, though. I think they'll. you'll see the very best of Carlton, and it might be a pretty even match for most of the game. I don't know if it's just a wild thought I have, but, yeah, Freo, end of the day. Trace? Yeah, look, I, I'd like Carlton to give it a crack. Um, they do have the advantage of playing in Melbourne, which I think is strange given that Frio really um, performed better throughout the season. But I, I think that Frio will, yeah, I think Frio will win. I'm going Carlton. You are. I think they're on a roll. They've got the momentum at the moment. And as I said before, I think Frio celebrated getting into the final. Mm. They were, they're happy just getting to the final. They're not looking at the bigger picture or the following week. And they celebrated long and hard. And between their injuries, I don't think, I think they might just fall at this next hurdle. And the Carlton senior players are actually playing some better footy at the moment. Um, one, Taylor Harris was holding a marks and kicking her goals and good goals, deep goals. Um, Vessio, Bree Davey and Press Parkers, of course. But uh, I felt like all of them were playing much better footy, so I'm going Carlton. I think it's for none of those reasons. I think it's because you never want to hear that uh, song again. The Frio song. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a shocker, shocker, isn't it? Dead it? set shocker. Oh, it's ordinary. I'm sure the players hate it too, don't they? Oh, ordinary. Well, I have to say it was probably the most musically, the most musical rendition of a song. The version. <laughs> compared to any other um, club song that I've heard 
screamed well, by by the women. This I think season. the reason they, we, we only hated got three it. notes to sing. Yeah, well, we um we were the Belmain Tigers for years and then we affiliated with Fremantle Football Club and so we became the Belmain Dockers. Yep. We kept the Richmond song. That's how much <laughs> we detested the new song. And instead of yellow and black, what would, did we sing? I can't remember. Oh, we'll uh, have to do it. Of, yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a line and we'd change it to Tigers of Old, like the Tigers of Old were strong right. and bold. But I can't remember what we sang in yellow and black. Mm. I can't remember. So it doesn't even count the whole... Yeah. That was great, like, Nat. Oh. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. the last bit out, but keep the first bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so the second preliminary final is between Adelaide and Geelong. No holding back. <laughs> Never hold back. That's what we used yeah. to sing. <laughs> Never hold back. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> okay, good. The second preliminary final is in Adelaide, between Adelaide and Geelong. So they're playing on the Sunday because the men are playing on the Saturday. Is that correct? Yeah, the men are playing on Saturday, so mm-hmm. is that what they've decided? They didn't yeah. want to do a double header. Yes, I think it should stand alone, and I'm very excited that they don't have to be seen as a curtain raiser to the men or anything like that. So I oh, I guess I'm going for Adelaide, am I? Yeah, fair enough. Easily. Because Adelaide. I don't think Geelong will get up, and I also, more importantly from where I've always come from uh, with my predictions, I don't think they deserve it. <laughs> I don't think Geelong deserve it. You're right. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah. A, team, a team that can't kick multiple goals in week after week, they're kicking one goal and points every week. There's no way Geelong are going to take it, Adelaide. Mm. No Maybe way. they'll go goalless this week, Geelong, and outdo themselves. It's like New South Wales playing Victoria in all those national tournaments many years ago. Oh, well, in 2013, we kicked the first goal and we were up. <laughs> Did you take a photo of the scoreboard? Absolutely. I've still got it. <laughs> Screensaver. Still got it. That's great. Kept them goalless oh, for eight minutes. Love it. Yes. Were you Adelaide in that team, Emma? Uh, no, you didn't go are, to Cairns, did you? No, nope, didn't go to Cairns. That's probably why we were able to keep them goals. <laughs> <laughs> There's your evidence. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Adelaide every day of the week, that's the one. Every day of the week. So they won 10 goals last weekend. Do you think they'll that's that sort of same margin? Yeah. At, least. Worse? At least. At it least. It could be even worse. I'm yeah. Melbourne are a much better side than Geelong, I think. Which will actually work well in terms of maybe the AFL realising that they're stuffed up and they might not do the conferences next year if there is a big blowout in the prelim like that. So we'll I can't see. see them adjusting the conference given that they're oh, only no, recruiting no. to 30 players in the new mm. season. So I think you would okay. increase it to 35 if you were going to a home and away season. Yeah, I've kind of come to terms with, with the fact that that will be the case. I'm not happy about it, but I've come to terms with that. I, I wonder if, if that one ladder system is something they would consider because I think that would probably... Um, ease the pain a little bit. We shall see. One more thing left to say, and that is... Here Here come come the the Giants. Giants. (laughs) And the finals. (laughs) Everyone just sing a bit of John Farnham and see how it sounds. (laughs) Let's go around the room. I've done my pressure down. Next. You're the voice trying to understand it. Nice. Trace? Forget the words. Jeez, I hope we're recording it. Call yourself an Australian. <laughs> Come on. Make a noise and make it clear. Let's go. Bandmaster. Give me a reason and I'll come running. What's that song? When Is that I a John Farnham song? I don't know that song. I'm going straight. <laughs> I'm in the right direction. Okay, Anthony. Sorry. Give us your best. The little indie girl, the indie girl in the corner doesn't know any uh, 
commercial radio. John Farnham. Johnny. Oh, come on. Say at least Sadie. The cleaning. Oh, Oh, serious. He would have been about young. Well, in, in his first, in his first career, or his second, or his third? Well, yeah. After which retirement was that one, Anthony? <laughs> well, yes. Uh, yep. This was this was like whispering Jackson. Oh, like the whole dryer bone, yeah. the mullet, love it. Yeah. Good yeah. one. Right. <laughs> Good time. I See, I hated, I absolutely yeah. hated the eighties. So, See, and if then Johnny here, Farnham if came along and saved us all. Anthony. Has been gone to a John Farnham concert. He'll get sacked on the spot. 